vision is that promotional products are universally valued and essential to every brand. And when you think about that, that's a very outward focused vision. That's not the vision for who PPAI is, that's the vision for the industry. And if we truly attempt to live up to that, that is a big vision. And so I'm very excited about that. When we say universally valued, that is everybody who buys them all the way down to the people who receive them. Hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. This is Mark Graham, and I'm joined by fellow chef Kate Plummer for this wide-ranging discussion with Dale Denham. Listeners may recall that Dale was on the podcast in August of 2021, just as he started his new job as CEO of PPAI. We originally wanted to record a follow-up episode with Dale after his 100 days on the job, but Omicron got in the way and Dale had a crisis unfolding with Expo, which demanded his attention. Now that we are past the Expo, we wanted to sit down with Dale to look at the last five months on the job and to see how he has navigated the twists and turns of the new position. We also wanted to take a close look at the lead-up to Expo and how PPAI was able to pull off a successful, though different-looking, Expo this January. This is a wide-ranging conversation with a former Promo Kitchen chef who now leads our industry's largest trade association. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Dale Denham, it's such a wonderful pleasure to have you on the podcast again. Thanks for having me back. All right, so let's jump right into it, Dale. So, Dale, you started your job as CEO of PPAI about five months ago, I think August 15th, 2021, to be exact. Right. What's been the most surprising thing that you've experienced in that time? I love asking that question to new employees. You know, what's the surprise? And they always tell me, oh, that's a good question. And I'm always like, well, what is it? And they always go off to think about it. And so it's hard for me to come up with what's really surprising, I guess, because it already sort of feels normal. The piece that probably feels the most surprising to me was how people both positively and negatively reacted to Expo. And so I think it's really a situational surprise as opposed to what happens on the inside of PPAI. There was tremendous passion about what we should do with Expo. And I sort of realized how important Expo was before, but now I really realize how important it is and also how important it is for people to be seen as supporting it. There were people who had to make tough decisions and chose not to be there. And they did not want to be seen as not supporting the show. And I never really understood how much it meant in every aspect, how important it was to the business, how important it was to people's ability to show their support for the industry. So that's the most surprising thing to me. If you want to talk about on the inside, it was truly the amount of detail that it takes to go into producing an event the size of Expo. I thought I understood it because I had had exposure to putting on significant shows back at ASI. Way more detail with an event this size and this many events going on at the same time. Fascinating to see. Dale, you've attended Expo for the better part of 20 years, given your time in the industry. And up until now, you have just been an attendee. Sure, you've been a board member and very, very involved in PPAI as a volunteer, but you've never been an organizer. So when I asked the question about surprise, how would you characterize the difference between 
you being on the inside versus your past experience as an attendee of Expo? Well, I had to work a lot harder <laughs> this, this year. You know, when you're an attendee, you can go at your own pace, set your own meetings, and sort of control your own destiny. As the organizer, you are there for everybody else. And frankly, I had a much easier job than most of my colleagues did. And they did the majority of the work. I did what part I was assigned by Ellen, because she's in charge, <laughs> and Alan. And we all played our role, but it was a tremendous amount of work to be on the inside. But other than that, I still got to enjoy it, much like an attendee. I still got to have the collisions where you got to talk to suppliers that you hadn't met before, as well as those that you had met. So in some ways, it was the same. But again, I'll go back to the surprise side of it being the sense of pride that I now realize attendees and exhibitors have about being a part of that event. That was something I had not seen as an attendee or recognized before. Maybe I took it for granted. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably took it for granted because you're just so busy going from one meeting to the next, as opposed to kind of looking at it from this outside perspective. So that's really interesting. For sure. There's so many events that are going on at Expo that you sort of know because you see the signs. You're like, oh yeah, so-and-so's having a meeting, so-and-so's having a meeting. When you're on the inside and you realize how many events are really going on and sometimes how many rooms you're supposed to be in at the same time to greet people, you realize just how big the expo is, not just the show floor, but the entire event. Yeah, absolutely. I have one more question before turning it over to Kate. You talked about the impact of expo as one of the surprises in the initial question, but I want to dig a little bit deeper and I want to ask specifically about the impact of expo just a couple of weeks ago on the promotional products industry. I'd love to hear you characterize I know it was a positive impact, but I just, I want a little bit more color as to how profound this was and how important it was for the promotional products industry in 2022. I think the answer to that will be told this year as we go on. But what I can tell you is what I heard from both the suppliers and the attendees, multiple of them, they came with projects and concepts in mind. And over and over, they said, this is not something that I would have taken away from a Zoom call. I was able to stand in front of a person and have creative ideas in a way that I haven't been able to for the last two years. Yes, Zoom works. There's nothing wrong with Zoom to help out in a situation like we've been. But that in-person creativity, and I know this from, as being somebody who travels a lot myself, I can do Zoom meetings, team meetings all day long. When I'm here in the office in Texas, as opposed to traveling somewhere and having a meeting via Zoom, there is a real impact of the creativity and the brainstorming that takes place one-on-one. -on -one. So I believe that it is going to help us from a creativity standpoint for those that attended. I also believe, you know, we had quite a few people at the opening session, hundreds more than we thought. I think it was near a thousand people at the opening session. And what we ended up being able to do was get that group of people aligned with the strategic focus for the industry that PPAI has. And that carried through the week to the almost 10,000 people, suppliers and distributors, as the word spread. So it's a really important kickoff point for anything that we're trying to do as an industry together. You definitely have a lot planned, which we'll cover later, but I do wanna stay on Expo just because it was such a big thing. And 
I know for both of you, like that week leading up to Expo where it just felt like the rumors were flying on who was dropping out. I know myself, like the minute I stopped sort of running around was I slept for 12 hours straight. So I can't even imagine your complete crash on that. But can you give us your behind the scenes of that week leading up to Expo on what you were thinking and what was happening with you and your team for it? Well, I'll tell you personally, my wife and kids would come in and check on me at six or seven at night. Are you okay, dad? Can we get you anything? Because it wore on us. It was gross. We hated it. Almost every minute of it. There was angst that started the moment Omicron or Omicron, if you're, depends on who you are, was announced around Thanksgiving. We immediately started meeting and said, okay, what if this gets really bad? What if it's like Delta again? And we set parameters in place before it was a crisis and said, here's the factors that we have to be watching and what we're going to do. And it was looking ugly. And we thought, okay, this is not the way it was supposed to work, right? Delta was supposed to decline and we were supposed to hit the magic window and everything was been wonderful. And then the news got better. Not a lot of people were getting in the hospital, but boy, the number of people getting infected was still very high. There was angst on everybody's part. Are we going to have a show? Should we have a show? If we have a show, who's going to show up? And we went through every scenario. And then, of course, the phone calls from dozens of suppliers who, and distributors and the rumors that had started that we weren't going to have a show and that we were canceling the show. It wasn't fun to try to manage all that messaging. It was probably at its worst when a couple of key suppliers made the business decision to pull out. They didn't want to. They felt it was the right thing and it was the right thing for them. And they had financial consequences. It was not something they looked at and said, we're trying to hurt PPAI or hurt the expo. I think in every case, they made a decision they felt was in their best interest and their best interest of their staff and their customers. It didn't make it any easier on us. It was miserable. It hurt morale. But then we got on site and things felt a lot better. And then we had to pull out hundreds of chairs for the opening event and things felt better. And then the show floor got moved around and things felt better. And then the crowd showed up and things felt better. And so I can't talk about the ugliness leading up to it without talking about the sense of joy that we had the week of Expo and how appreciative we were for everybody who managed to show up. And again, respecting those who made the difficult decision not to show up. It, it must have been really tough, too, because I know I was hearing from people that your team and your board were just being bombarded with, you know, you should cancel, you should do this. Did you have that difficult conversation to cancel? Sure. So again, in the middle of December, we met with the board and talked about the scenarios and outlined the different scenarios and looked for their support. So we had that lined up ahead of time, knowing where we expected things to be and what the parameters would be and had the ability to call an emergency meeting to make a decision. As I got those phone calls, which were some of the hardest phone calls that I've ever taken, I'm taking harder personal ones and such, but from a business perspective, having really good clients ask you to cancel the show out of what they believe was in the best interest of the industry overall and to take a different stance was very hard. Initially, I was very empathetic and really 
more question of my own and our own decision to continue to hold the show. And then I made the decision to call a few and turned out to be quite a few people and said, hey, do you want us to have a show? And over and over and overwhelmingly, people told me, yes, what do you mean? Do we want you to have a show? We're going to be there. You better have a show. And it turned out that the louder voices, as passionate as they were, were very much a minority. Yes, we had about 50% of the attendance we normally have. So clearly people didn't show up. We had 700 plus exhibitors and almost 2,000 booths. So just under a third of the booths were gone. So there were people that weren't there, but still more people showed up than chose not to. And I was really inspired when those people started talking to me about, we need this show. We literally need the show. And then I was able to go back to those other people who had given me their advice and what they felt was best interest. I said, I appreciate why you feel this way. But when you make a decision to not exhibit or not attend, you're making it for your business and your staff. If we make the decision not to have an expo, we're making it for thousands of companies. And ultimately, that was what we held our decision on and turned out to be the right decision. And I'm proud of it. That's so interesting. So I'd be at fault if I didn't ask Mark as well. Like you had to make the hard decision to cancel your event. What was your decision making up to that point? And then afterwards, you held an incredibly successful virtual event. But what did you hear from people? And what did you hear from your team on that? So let's unpack with that question. I'll try to be brief, but I love Dale's characterization of the lead up to Expo as having some gross experiences and gross discussions. And I would agree with that. I was one of those people that had to call Dale. And I think the first words out of my mouth, Dale, to you was, this is one of the most difficult calls I've ever had to make. To you, as a friend and a colleague and former colleague at Promo Kitchen and someone I've known for a long time, and it was brutal. And we certainly would have been in one of those situations where we were making a decision on behalf of a decent number of people, but certainly not thousands and thousands of members of PPAI. So we knew that we had a little bit more of a responsibility to our people that was a little different than Dale's situation, but absolutely brutal. And the reason for that is that we were balancing this whole notion of safety. But at the same time, also respecting that we were in a different part of COVID where people were making decisions that we wanted to make sure that we weren't being judgmental about the decisions that people were making. And we also are an organization with an incredibly strong community. And we'd been working on this event for eight, nine months and knew that we weren't able to get people together. And that was probably the most difficult. Sure. There was a lot of money that we had to spend that we didn't get value for. And we knew that. We knew those were going to be sunk costs. That was part of our decision. At the end of the day, we just said, hey, it's only money. At the end of the day, it's only money. And so without making this a long and rambling answer, it was really, really difficult. We were very proud of the decision that we made. It was the right decision for our organization. And I said to Dale and so many other people that I was so excited to see the expo jammed with people. 
and with smiling faces and productive meetings. Like even though that sucked to be sitting here in Toronto right. and looking at all of this, like that was terrible. At the same time, I was overjoyed for our industry, for PPAI, heck for ASI, they did their event in Orlando. I've always been a huge believer that when the industry organizations are successful and people are coming out to shows and they're getting work done, that that is incredible for our industry and that raises all boats. So I don't know if that answered your question other than these were some initial thoughts that came to my mind, but just a horrific decision. I don't know if it answers her question either, but I do want to just comment on the approach you and a few others took to letting us know that you were canceling. It was very collaborative and very, as you said, you weren't happy about it. And I really appreciated, and my colleagues really appreciated all the exhibitors who really tried their best to be as supportive as possible, even the way you guys delivered the messaging. And it hurt. We definitely had some cancellations when your group stopped. That's you know your community. They look to you and you're a leader, and that's why you made the choices you did. And I respect that, but I appreciated that you took the time and you actually cared when you delivered the message. And I think the more we as a society, let alone an industry, treat each other with respect, even when we have different viewpoints and care about the others, we can go so far with that. And so thank you, Mark. I love what you just said there. And I think that that is probably something that we could take just period, (laughs) not just our industry, but just how it is that we function as citizens of the world. So cheers to that. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, we are glad that we have have moved on. Yeah. I have to say from the other side, so for me, like my team of four went down to just me because the one team member that was going to come with me tested positive for COVID on the Thursday. And I'm with you, Dale. Like my family was here, was kind of going, you okay? And at one point I just walked out of my office, laid down on the ground and let the dogs crawl over me. So, you know, we all do our own things for our mental health, but... And then on the promo kitchen side, it was really tough because as a board, we were split on whether or not to proceed. It was, we're going to lose money versus we have something and what does it look for us to do it? And afterwards, we didn't hear, it's awful you went ahead. We heard, thank you for hosting this. So, yep. which thank God, but at the same time, <laughs> just like that week was so stressful for anyone who had been planning things because what you envisioned it being was not what ended up. and. So I would love to hear what you heard from people on the show floor. Like we kept hearing, thank you for having the mixer. What were you hearing or what was surprising that you heard from people on the show floor? There are a couple people, and I saw another post even this morning that has said, this is the best show they ever had. And I have to think some of that is related to expectations because people assumed with all the announcements that it was going to be nobody. But I think that one of the things that really happened is the people, and this is not to say the people who didn't come wouldn't have come with good ideas, but the people who showed up came ready to work. And they brought a mentality that I think in years past may have been missing. And what was surprising to me is we literally had just under 6,000 people there, which if that had happened two years ago, people would have said, oh, you know, this show, what's happening? Because we usually have 10 plus thousand, right? Or at least in the range of 10,000. We had more people not only say great show, we had people saying best show ever. And that is just hard to grasp. But the takeaway from that is, look, you do need quantity. Let's be clear. You need a lot of people because you need to have the people in the booth to have a good show. But you also need to have 
the right quality, but also not so many that the booths are so packed that the exhibitor is pushing them along. Because it wasn't just the distributor who came ready to do business, the supplier, the exhibitor was hungry to do business. And they would spend time because instead of looking over somebody's shoulder and seeing their friend that they were going to say hi to, they engaged with that customer. So we had mostly, in fact, I would say on the show floor, 100% positive. I did run into one person later and asked how the show was, and they weren't quite as positive. I don't, I don't know who what? that might be. Um, <laughs> it have been? But, you know, there were a couple of people who didn't have the best show. And sometimes that's a location issue. Sometimes it's different issues. You're never going to have a 100% perfect show. And so, Kate, I know you're one of the people that didn't have the best show ever or even a great show. But you've talked to some people and, you know, they had a good show, if not some great. But your experience wasn't the same as what I'm hearing. And I find it very important for those that have a different view to share that with me. And you did that. And I appreciate that because it helps us get better. So the big surprise is you can have a great, great show with fewer people. As I look to next year, my learning is how do I repeat that? How do we as a company repeat that with nine to 10,000 people on the show floor, attendees, without having to keep us at 6,000 to have that. Because I think it's better if we can have nine to 10,000 people walking the floor. So I think at this stage in the discussion, Dale and Kate, you've got all of our listeners super <laughs> curious as to some of the challenges that were experienced by some of the exhibitors. And so in the spirit of having a nice balanced discussion, we know that Expo is an extraordinary success and thread of the needle, and that's incredible. But Kate, in the spirit of being productive, Talk high level about your experience at this particular expo and why it was different than expos of past. And I will be transparent. Dale did hear from me. <laughs> he did catch me as I was walking off the show floor after tearing down the booth in pure exhaustion. So normally my political correctness of sort of like, hey, you know, it was great, but it was like, no, no, didn't like it. <laughs> he, he got the worst Kate um, and he was very kind about it. But I found like there were obstacles that hopefully are truly unique to COVID times or like to this time period because of Omicron in that traffic was really slow. My location was bad in that almost every booth around me was empty. I could see people kind of stop, see that there was nothing on the end with me and just kind of turn around. And so that's one of those like unique to my booth and my position. And it was just traffic was down some people were wearing a mask and were very adamant about it. And so that was frustrating from someone who really needed to test negative to get home. And right. yeah, it was just kind of a whole mix of tiny little things that just added up to not a great show. But, you know, full kudos to the PPAI staff, because a lot of them knew that I was there by myself. So a lot of them would show up and be like, hey, do you need to use the bathroom? Do you need a water break? What can I get for you? And that just kind of shows how amazing that staff is. And But it was interesting talking with suppliers afterwards, because everyone says, oh, I had great conversations. Oh, it was, you know, it was a good show. And I always follow up being like, was it a good show despite Omicron or because of Omicron? And where do you stand on that? And Yesterday, one person said, she goes, we had to rip off the Band-Aid. We had to have a first show, and this kind of set everything going forward. Yeah. And it kind of sucks that, you know, the great show that was being planned for, for months, was not the event that happened. And, you know, 6,000 is noble, but not what people want Expo to be. And so 
Right. It's my thought as well was, and maybe other people felt this, but it felt like nothing had changed except there was less people there. And I kind of felt that after two years with trauma and changes and people pivoting their butts off, basically, that there should have been changes. And I worried about an industry that went right back to normal without adapting to the changes that, you know, we all had to accelerate with technology. We all had to accelerate with our sales approaches. And for everyone to be very happy to be back in person just felt, but what about the past two years? So those are all my complaints at once. (laughs) And Dale got all of that walking from the show floor. Well, and if I can just comment, you know, the team did a really great job of moving booths around. So few people had the experience you had. And I regret that you were one of the ones that didn't get moved into a place that you had a better opportunity. There were definitely others that were impacted like that. And that is not a good situation. Happens every year, whether somebody doesn't show up or you just get a bad booth location. But those are the situations that happen. In terms of changes, I won't bore you with the laundry list of things that we did change, but there were tremendous changes but obviously not of the type that you wanted to see. But I want to talk about one, and that was the conference day. We used to have over 100 different conference sessions during the Monday of Expo. And Ann Stone overhauled it this year. She took over professional development during COVID, and she did a phenomenal job. We no longer had 12 sessions going on at one time that you could choose from, and you might think people would be very upset by that. But instead, We had between two to four really impactful sessions, big rooms, and heard, again, I'm sure some people weren't happy, heard no complaints, heard only positive. I like this so much better because no matter what room you went into, the content was quality and we worked harder on that. And so you're able to really work with four speakers for several hours, so 12, 20 speakers, whatever it was total, and make sure their content was great. And so we did change that. Hard to change the show experience itself on the show floor. Registration was different, better, other things. But the conference was definitely different. And I think you'll see a few more changes. And of course, there was the Promo Palooza party that was different. And that was amazing. That was very cool. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. (laughs) I was going to say, Dale, that maybe the reason Kate had a bad booth is that she's behind on her PPAI payments. So that's (laughs) what happens, right? When you're you're in arrears, right? (laughs) Oh, no. I made sure we were all clear. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) No, Ellen does not let anybody on the show floor if they don't make their payments. Ellen will stop you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I do have to say it was kind of funny because if you saw it, I posted a time-lapse video of me building my booth because a booth meant to be built by two people was a booth built by one person. And there's a long pause where I'm talking to someone off corner after it's done. And it was when I was talking to PPAI staff where Brandon amazingly rolled up just as it was all done. It was like, can I help you with anything? And I was like, five (laughs) minutes ago. (laughs) But yeah, no, it was, you know, PPAI staff from everyone, I just give them full kudos because this was not an easy thing to have and they navigated it perfectly. No, I'm all paid up on PPAI. Dale wouldn't let me go if I wasn't. (laughs) I would. Ellen wouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) So I am just going to ask one more question about Expo, and then Kate, I'll turn it over to you so we can pivot to talk about some bigger picture issues about the makeup of the industry. So Dale, I think at the end of the day, I'm curious to get your view on how do you think COVID has changed the Expo forever? Okay, so presumably we're going to get to a point, hopefully very soon, where this is behind us, whether it's endemic or COVID is 
behind us. It's a distant memory. So in 10 years, when we're having this discussion, where do you see COVID's legacy on Expo in the future? Well, now instead of us all coming home with the cold or the flu, we'll come home with the cold or the flu or COVID. (laughs) (laughs) For years, that's what we we did. And I, I will say, you know, clearly people picked up COVID at Expo, right? My daughters picked up COVID at school while I was at Expo. So, you know, no matter where we were, it was a factor. I managed through the whole week not to pick it up. So I do think safety is going to change things a little bit. We're going to see a little bit more awareness of people's personal space. I do think that virtual is going to continue to play a part of how do you continue the conversation. I hope that I'll go back to the change that I mentioned before. I hope that the change is that we see people come to Expo focused on doing business primarily and having fun as a partial, as opposed to maybe 50-50 or other way around. I think most people always came to do business. I think sometimes that partying got a little bit too much of their time and they were a little more tired. I'm hoping that what you see is that it actually enhances every in-person event that we have because people appreciate it more. Mark, you're at home. I work from home. Getting the chance to be with people. I got to be at your SKU camp a few months back. That was one of the first events that I did as CEO and seeing a hundred different people and talking to them outside in safe areas was just so inspiring and engaging. If we can keep that sort of fresh perspective of how important it is to be with people, I think that it's going to make expo and all in-person events better forever. Yeah. I think one of the things I missed was side conversations where you just sort of start on a tangent from something where you know, virtual is meant to have, you know, you've got to start and an end and, you know, having organic conversations was really missed. And hard to interrupt each other or bump into a conversation. Exactly. So you talked earlier about your strategic plan that you announced at the beginning of Expo. So I would love to have you explain that further here. So what did you announce at Expo that you're excited about? The planning had sort of started pre-COVID and then they basically stopped it. And then when they started the search, they sort of put it on hold and did some prep work. And we did the strategic plan in October and finalized the majority of it by January and announced a new vision, a new mission, and five sort of pillars of the plan. And the vision is that promotional products are universally valued and essential to every brand. And when you think about that, that's a very outward focused vision. That's not the vision for who PPAI is. That's the vision for the industry. And if we truly attempt to live up to that, that is a big vision. And so I'm very excited about that. When we say universally valued, that is everybody who buys them all the way down to the people who receive them. The essential to every brand is we're not an afterthought. We're a part of their marketing planning from the beginning of the year, their marketing budget. Our mission is to be the voice and force to advance the promotional marketplace, which is a new term for the benefit of our community. Now, Mark, you have your community of customers. Our community is our members. The marketplace is all those people that are in our space, but have not joined PPAI. So we want to advance the whole space. If they choose not to participate as a member of PPAI, we still need to elevate this because it impacts us all if people are selling bad product or product that's good sold wrong. But we are going to focus on the benefits to our community and drive as many of them to our community as we can. We're going to do that through five ways. One is sort of what we all have to do, drive member value. That's basically give you a reason to join PPAI. 
and really optimize that for are you small, are you medium, are you large, looking differently. Ensuring economic sustainability and scalability. Again, that's what every business needs to do. PPAI through COVID had to really analyze who we were and what our future looked like. And it was a very healthy thing. The three that excite me the most are elevating corporate social responsibility in the industry. And we're putting everything under that, including DEI, government advocacy, and just general corporate social responsibility. That is more important now than ever. And I'm not talking just because there's people who have different political opinions in here. I'm talking about corporations driving spend are demanding it. And we as PPI have to help our industry and our community really embrace that or watch it leave our community and go elsewhere. So we also want to be good citizens. So corporate social responsibility, I'm excited about. The second one is to be the force behind or facilitating the digital transformation in the industry. And there's a lot involved in there, but we know, Mark, it's one of the reasons you started the company you have. There's a lot of opportunity for our industry to do better technically. And there's a lot we can do that moves beyond just providing another tool to make people more efficient. It's getting them to change their thinking and embracing those tools in a way that they haven't before. And one of the ways that we sort of made a small announcement that became a bigger announcement was that we're launching industry standards to try to improve the availability of information from inventory order status and basically what many other businesses have been doing for a long time, exchanging information electronically. And the last one is the one I'm most excited about is to be the voice of the industry. And we're taking our get in touch campaign and evolving that into just one theme of promotional products work. And the concept there, we're going to have an in-buyer expo online, and we're going to have all sorts of content and meaningful things where the association is being driving value to the overall marketplace that can be pushed out by them or picked up directly to, again, elevate the CSR of the industry, elevate the creativity of the industry. So that one excites me and really has us much more outward focused. We have to be strong internally, i.e. our community, to make sure that they live up to those expectations. So by focusing on the outside, we have to start at the inside. So but the three big ones, corporate social responsibility, digital transformation, and then the voice of the industry, which I would say promotional products work is the piece of that. Dale, do you want to get into more detail about the end user event? I know that in the past, there's been discussions about how to incorporate end clients into the industry. One example has been the debate as to whether to have end clients walk the expo. And I know, at least to the best of my knowledge, that has not happened, or at least officially has not happened before. Talk to me about how the end client event virtually will work and how it is you feel like that may be the best of all worlds, given that we've had as an industry some challenges as to how to incorporate end clients in the past. If you would have asked me three years ago if an online end user expo was a good idea, I would have said absolutely not. But two years ago, changed the whole world in March of 2020. And then I saw as a distributor firsthand at that time, how many of our customers were willing to come to an online event to learn more about how to use our product and our medium more creatively. And then I saw more. And then I started talking to more of industry people even before I was in this position, but since I was in this position, and how many of them had very successful events with end clients at their virtual show. Yep. So 
there is a real place. And the reasoning why is I think to get a client to drive out of their office for an entire day to go look at merch, they got a lot going on and they need to be a big spender to spend that day or really close or whatever. This is an opportunity where they can see vetted suppliers because we're going to work. There's going to be no net pricing. We can control so much more online than you can in person and education that we will provide that they can opt into or just go right to the booth and work with their distributor. There is so much opportunity here for the distributors, not only just to remind their clients, hey, I'm here, here's an event you might want to come to, but to get them to come there, walk them in virtually to a booth and say, look at this product and let the vendor explain how to use that creativity creatively. I think this will be one of the biggest things that we do going forward. It's exciting. I don't think it will be financially bigger than Expo, no. but I think it will be meaningfully as big or bigger than Expo because you can have, well, we have 15,000 distributors. If they all bring a few clients, that's a pretty doggone big event, right. even if only 5,000 bring a couple. And so it's how well do we pull that off? And then there's a place for, there's already distributors as well as regionals, as well as groups who are doing end user shows in person. There is still a place for that. This does not take away from that. If anything, it accelerates it and we want to help that. So I'm excited about what it can mean. And I think this fall will be eye-opening for a lot of people who bring their clients there, who will be inspired and buy more and more appropriately based on being able to work directly with suppliers. I think it's really interesting that how virtual completely changes the landscape. So I applaud you for jumping into this. A quick question, because I know that a lot of listeners will be curious about this. I understand the supplier role where the suppliers are bringing product education to the experience. How does the education side of it work in terms of how it is that end clients will be learning from the industry? Will that be led by suppliers, by distributors? or by end clients themselves. How does that part work? Yeah, so first of all, I wanna be careful. I've said something at the tail end of my last statement. I said working directly with the suppliers. I meant engaging with the suppliers on the platform. Right. Everything is done through the distributor. So I don't, I don't want that sound bite taken out of context. No, no, I understand that. The education, the same thing. We have to be very careful about if there's a distributor providing an education, because as soon as you mention their name, somebody's impressed, they Google them. Exactly. So we're debating which players can be on the expo education. I expect there will be suppliers involved in expo education for sure. PPAI will be delivering a lot of the education ourselves. I expect end clients to be a part of it. So it will be a mix. Distributors is the hardest part because again, if I mention any distributor's name whatsoever, all of a sudden, why did I as a different distributor bring my client to hear from a different distributor? So exactly. we're very sensitive to that. Again. This is the benefit of having been a distributor for 10 years of my life, not just being on the, the service provider side. I know how important that confidentiality is. And I know there's some people who also don't care. They're like, they're going to buy from me, whatever. But we are going to be very careful with that. So thank you for that question. That's a good one. It will be difficult, though. Not that I think people can't do it, but sort of doing that line of it's taken a lot for suppliers to kind of build the trust with distributors that they're not going to take their clients. So how you roll that out is going to be even more important and how, who presents as well. How do you keep the message of the distributor front and forward? Again, I think part of that will be the education and the whole branding of the event. And 
I think anybody who's ever tried to buy promotional products, I know people who've left this industry who know how to buy the products, who still buy through distributors because they know how much work it is. So I'm not too worried about that. Yes, there are some distributors who worry about that. And that's why we're doing a preview event in May. When you realize that your conversation as a buyer to the supplier, the distributor is involved in that conversation or has access to that conversation if they're not directly involved. That's much safer, if you will, than dropping them off in a show floor where you don't know if they're handing them a card or anything. We can monitor and the distributor can be involved in all of that to ensure that. I know every supplier appreciates the value chain that we have and they just want to sell more through the chain. So this is the opportunity most suppliers really want to talk to the buyers directly, but then let the distributor do all the work to finalize everything. I know it's split on suppliers and user thoughts, but I love them because it gives me a chance to talk directly and make sure that the message of awards and recognitions is like right at its source rather than anything else. Right. It will be interesting. And I'm excited that it's being tried at the very least. When you came in, it was sort of the idea of technology is coming in to kind of pull us forward because as an industry, we all jumped ahead decades in what we had to do. And so it'll be interesting. I mean, for people who are like, oh, I think it's a dumb idea. Well, you haven't tried it yet. So. <laughs> and that's okay. Cause frankly, if we only have a couple of thousand distributors who use it, that's okay too. I think it will grow over time. I think the fall event's going to be bigger than most people realize. And one of the things that we want to do before the May event and before the fall event, I want to rebrand the terms in the industry. I hate the term distributor. It undervalues what the distributor does. So we're working with a group. We have these strategic foresight groups on the distributor and supplier side to work on rebranding those. So anybody who's listening to this can send us what they think we should be rebranding the, all the way to the supplier, the end buyer the recipient even. What are we going to call those? Because I do not want to educate people on a distributor. I want to educate people on what the value that their partner brings. In this case, many people think of their distributor as their supplier. So if we call a supplier the supplier, well, that's confusing. So we got to work on that. And that's a fun thing that we're going to be doing. And I think most people are ready to let go of the term distributor. The rest of the ones we'll have to work on but I don't want to refer to the client as an end buyer in training. You know, I want to say you're the client or some meaningful message to them. So we also, as part of this, they have a chance to elevate our industry just by rebranding the name of what we call our businesses. Making it clearer what everyone does too. I've said for years, the internet exists, so you can't pretend you don't know that I'm here. And, <laughs> um, but it's the idea of, you know, people are no longer just distributors or resellers, they're agencies, they're creative, they're, yep. you know, one box doesn't fit anymore, basically. Absolutely. Dale, just keeping my eye on the time, we always like to leave the last moment or so for our guests to impart some wisdom in an area that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet, or if there's something that you want to bring up that maybe goes back to an earlier question that you want to add more detail. Any parting words for the PK audience? I have two things I'd like to say. One, I'd like to say to anybody listening, when they see or hear something that we are doing that they don't like, to let us know. Done. Kate, you know, you got my very soft, <laughs> my very soft response, and I'm usually that way with people. I very much want to hear the good and the bad, not just the good. I want to hear the different viewpoints. We get better. 
and my colleagues are the same. So we are going to continue to listen. You are not always going to like or agree with decisions we make, but I will be transparent about those decisions and you can hold me accountable to those. Second thing I'd like to just end with is I have an amazing team of people who do so much and I love being the face of that group of people and I won't name all their names. I've mentioned a few in this podcast already, but there's just so many wonderful people that make not only Expo, but PPAI who it is. And you talked a little bit about that, Kate. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't just say thank you to them and have the entire listening audience recognize how many wonderful people who legitimately care about this industry and its success. And so my thanks to them. Well, thank you, Dale. This has been a wonderful discussion and congratulations on a very successful, almost a half year on the job. And we're certainly behind you and excited about what the next several years brings for you and PPAI and the industry, of course. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to seeing you guys in person later this year, somewhere. Somewhere. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.